What's up, everybody? I hope you've been enjoying the content of late so far, uh, or the content in general that I've been putting out, and hopefully you have. Uh, if this is your first time listening, welcome. If you're returning, welcome back. It's good to have you with us today. Uh, this one is a unique one because I've mixed in a couple of different kinds of content here. I've mixed in some on-location video uh, shooting from my jet ski, um, recording Rhonda on her, uh, as she's doing tricks and kiteboarding out on the, uh, on the water. So it's pretty interesting. It's kind of cool. Uh, you can catch that on my YouTube channel. Cause you can't really, I've, I've cut out all the music, everything else from this recording, uh, for the audio only. But if you want to see the video of that, go to the description and, It'll tell you, I think it's 1807 in the video, and just fast forward to that, and you can watch the video of her on the uh, on the water. She's actually really good. What else do I got there? Um, let's see. If you're enjoying the content, do me a favor. Uh, subscribe, rate, review, um, anything that you can do. Share the content with your friends, family, um, social media, wherever. If you find this content interesting and you think it's helpful, uh, do me a favor and share some of the value that you've gotten out of it back to me, either in sharing it, or you can go to my link tree, which is also in the description. And if you want to help support the show monetarily, that would be amazing. Uh, I could definitely use the help. I've been paying for this thing for three years, so I'm always looking for, you know, a way to help, you know, offset some of these costs. So that would be greatly appreciated. Other than that, I mean, we've got uh, some a lot of content to come, man. I've got I'm, I'm continuously recording, and I still have all of this other older content, which this is one of them uh, that I've I've put together, and I still keep dipping into because you know a lot some of this content isn't is evergreen, so it doesn't matter if I did it two years ago or yesterday, it's still relevant and it's still uh, got value to it, so. If you've been following along with me still, I know that I've got uh, about, I, I don't know, I, I mean, I've got a, a following through the the podcast itself through the, the you know, different platforms like Spotify and, and such, uh, Apple, iTunes, and so if you're still rocking with me, right on, man. Appreciate it, and definitely more to come. Uh, until next time, uh, keep it 100, stay true to yourself. Everything else is just noise. And uh, let's get to the show. Sean Dustin spent time in federal and state prison for drug trafficking and fraud. Upon release in 2006, he had nothing but the clothes on his back, a bag of mail, and legal paperwork. In 2010, he kicked a longtime methamphetamine habit and started the long climb back up the ladder of life. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. If you want transparency and authenticity, you're in the right place. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. And this is Sean Dustin. Okay, this is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast, and I'm your host, Sean Dustin. Today I am talking to, and I have a very special guest, Rhonda Reyna. 
Rhonda is a very, very, very talented female kiteboarder. Uh, and she's you're competitive as well, aren't you? Yeah, when there's some local competitions, I like to participate. Okay, cool. And uh, Rhonda is a ambassador for Core Kites. Um, and how I know Rhonda, uh, I met her when I was uh, down the street at a place called Sherman Island. Uh, or Sherman Island, um, sort of like public area, beach, uh, launch, all of that. And uh, I went down there because I live here, and I'm constantly seeing people uh, going by and kiters and everything else when I go down there to take my dog to the beach. So I thought, since I'm a content creator, what a better idea to interview one of one of these uh, people down there that are in this sport and it is a sport that I've wanted to get into. So, you know, for me, whenever I have interest in something and I have the ability and, you know, somebody else is willing, I'll ask them to come on my show. That way I can get information myself and then give it to everybody else. So, hi, Rhonda. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you very much. And thank you for having me on your show. You're welcome. Um, like I said, we, we had met. I had talked to you. Uh, I hit you up right in the uh, uh, parking lot, and I think I helped you pull something off of your car. And uh, I gave you my card, and I said, if you ever you know were interested in doing this, let me know. Uh, we had talked back and forth um, quite a bit uh, before this, and we saw each other down there. I mean, I would see you when I go down and do my thing, and, and you know, sometimes we would we would meet each other. We'd either see each other on the water and say, what's up, you know, from a distance, or I catch you on the land. And, uh, then we were able to set this up and I'd like to know all about kiting, how you got into it, what it's like, how difficult is it? Um, you know, what's the pathway to entry, all that stuff. Fantastic. Well, I'm happy to share um, my thoughts and my experiences with you on that. I first saw kiteboarding in 2012 when I was on vacation in Boca Raton. And I have a background in water skiing and uh, used to go to the lakes. And water skiing requires a boat, a flagger, and you. So it tends to be a little bit difficult. When I moved to the Bay Area, I no longer had access to a boat. I didn't know where to go. And so I didn't get to water ski for a lot of years. Uh, fast forward to 2012, I'm on the beach in Boca Raton, and I see this guy going by attached to this kite with what looks like a wakeboard. And he's smiling at me, and I'm thinking, that is the coolest thing I have ever seen. I don't know what it is. And it stuck in my head. A couple years later in 2014, I happened to be driving up the North Santa Cruz coast and I saw these kite surfers again. And then a while later I was going over the San Mateo bridge and saw these kite surfers and I just became obsessed. And I'm like, I'm going to go down. I'm going to go, you know, looked up where do people go kite surfing? And I found one of the launches and I started talking with the kite surfers. And at that time I'd only seen men mm -hmm. and the conditions were pretty gnarly cold windy people in wetsuits uh the wind can crank um anywhere for a good wind 25 to 35 miles an hour so you're getting a face full of sand your <laughs> eyes are squinting and i just thought these people are crazy yeah, what yeah. is up with that 
Um, but I was very intrigued and they would come off the water and be super stoky. And I would ask like, well, well what is this? I was like, you should try it. You'll love it. <laughs> I thought, oh yeah. Okay. So I finally met a woman who did kite surfing and she referred me to take lessons up at Sherman Island, which mm-hmm. is where you and I met. Yeah. So, um, and I had also, um, fortuitously met two professional female kite surfers, on a beach one day when I was surfing and I looked them up and I thought, well, they're about my size. And so if they can do kite surfing, then this is something I could do. And uh, one of them was Yannicka Stopp, who is a prof- was a professional kite surfer and she competed around the world and she was with her friend. Um, and they told me, yeah, we just go around the world traveling and kite surfing. And that just kind of got stuck in my head is something that's, that I really wanted to do. Um, I did all the right things when I was growing up, checked off my list of go to high school, go to college, get a job, get married, have a baby. And uh, by my mid-30s, I achieved everything and then got a little bit bored and didn't know what to do next. I always wanted to travel, but put everything on hold for motherhood and career, etc. So meeting these really free-spirited women opened me up, and I wanted to be a part of it, wanted to be like them. So lessons. Uh, Kite surfing is challenging to learn whether you're male or female. You just got to do the time. And um, professional lessons definitely are the way to go. I was fortunate that during that stage of my life, I'd been coming out of some pretty dark, dark times, and I was really open to really getting into the sport and making it a priority. So I took lessons locally and traveled to Turks and Caicos to take my first water lessons. It's a lot easier in the Caribbean because you have shallow, warm blue water, so you don't have to wear a wetsuit. That's nice. Um, it's the pain in the butt here. You know, you're already uncomfortable, all packaged up like a freaking Michelin man. <laughs> and you get into the water, and the conditions here are gnarly to learn. Um, very intimidating for sure. I thought I was going to drown, and I thought while I was taking these lessons, kite surfers are crazy. <laughs> Some of them are. I mean,. <laughs> I, you know, there's, I've, there's been some times when I've been out there and, and you know, when I go out there, it's, I want to be out there in the roughest condition because that's what works best for what I want to do on the water when I'm on a ski. Right. Um, you know, and I don't have to wait for a boat, which, you know, could be a long time in between, you know, boats coming. So it's, uh, that's what works best for me. And it is pretty, it's pretty, it gets pretty hectic out there. You know, especially if you get all the conditions, the wind's blowing the right direction, the the currents go in the right direction. Um, all of those conditions, uh, you know, play a part in that. So, I mean, it's the, so what I've, what I've gathered, um, by the, what I've watched from being down there, uh, and, and the people that I've tried to talk to, um, you know, friends that I've made, uh, through hanging out down there, uh, it's a, it's a cool it's a cool bunch of people it, it reminds me of like the grateful dead but you're following the wind instead i'm not a grateful dead fan so i don't understand or relate to the analogy 
Um, but yes, we're definitely addicts, wind addicts, mm -hmm. um, super stoky. It's just such an incredibly fun sport and so satisfying and meeting the challenges of strong wind, waves, swell, you never know what's going to happen. Uh, it just really brings, brings someone to life and, yeah. um, we ex experience that. And then it's a team sport because we have to look out for each other. It, you require somebody to launch and land you and kind of keep your eyes out. It takes a lot of mentoring to learn how to do it. So I was very fortunate that there's a lot of places um, locally to go kiting. And I met people at every beach who helped guide me and teach me the ropes of how to do it safely and what to do when you encounter mishaps. Because it's a lot of problem solving and I think a lot of people who are attracted to this sport, like myself, are very analytical mm -hmm. and technical because we have to learn about our kites. You're a sailor and a pilot at the same time and an athlete, so you're multitasking several disciplines all at once for a full, fun, adrenaline rush. Yeah, yeah. But no, for sure. I mean, and, and the people that I see down there – there, I mean, it's a wide spectrum of, of, of people that are in the sport. Um, but what I meant by like the dead, so th there's, there's people that would follow the Grateful Dead, right? And they're like nomads. They lived out of their vans and they sold like, uh, you know, trinkets or whatever along the way at the shows to sort of make their money and, and, and survive, right? While following this, this group, uh, this, you know, band, uh, that they loved so much. And this reminds me because it's very similar, you know, except uh, you're not selling trinkets. Most people are remote workers um, that are living and working out of their vans and just, you know, enjoying that sport and just following the wind where it goes. I mean, you have uh, my buddy Josh goes down to I think it's Baja. Is that where it is where they all go um, for, yes. for the mm -hmm. winter? Uh, so he goes down there all the time. And it's just like, dude, <laughs> that's a cool life. You know, who wouldn't want to go hang out down in Baja, California and ride the wind down there for, you know, a season and then come back up here? I think Nat does that, doesn't he? Yeah, and I've taken to that as well. I've gone around the world um, following it through the seasons. So it's shut off here for now, and I'm really thirsty to go to the Southern Hemisphere and start chasing some wind. Yeah. So how high have you got, actually gotten I mean, I have some footage, and, and for everybody who's watching out there, we, we're going to actually watch Rhonda in action and be able to see what she what she can do, and, and she's going to walk us through. If it works out the way that I want it to, hopefully she'll walk us through what she's doing and kind of like what's going through your head, you know, um, you know, when to pull, when to, you know, how do you know? You know what I mean? I know it. you probably feel it. You know, it's, it's you feel like you're like kind of, you're attached to it and it's almost like you're at one with with the wind and so i would imagine like anything else you know if you have it attached to you uh any any sort of movement or pull you're gonna feel that and know to oh there we go but that's just speculation i would really like to know from you <laughs> okay so when you said how high do i go you're referring to the big air jumping mm -hmm. <clears throat> and a lot of us do like to see how high we can get our kites up into the air. <clears throat> There's an international competition. We're using a device called the WOO, W-O-O, that measures our jump height. So we can compete locally at our beach, at the country level, and around the world to see how we're performing. It gives us a lot of motivation. 
as well as doing freestyle tricks. You could be on something that's a kiteboard that looks like a wakeboard. You can be on a surfboard. I've recently done strapless and added to that. <clears throat> you can be on a foil board, all sorts of things to do. But I really like to jump big. <laughs> uh, what's going through my head is can I be brave enough to really send this kite super fast and can I hold the bar in and try to get as high as I can go? Okay. Um, I've had three different PRs this year so far. Last week, I just hit 27.8 feet, which is a respectable jump height. Mm-hmm. Pretty fun to do. Yeah, yeah. What's the highest that you've gotten, do you think, out at Sherman? Because I know it blows pretty hard out there, but, I mean, I'm not sure. I mean, is there is there a point that it get it can get out there to where you're like, and no, that's we need to wait a little bit, or... Does that just depend on your skill level? Like, it, it, Yes, it's all kiter skill dependent. And I have a kite. <clears throat> I have six kite sizes. So you rig the appropriate kite size. And so far, I've gone out in everything. My smallest kite being a five-meter kite, and that's wind in the 40s. And there was a day uh, mid-time this year that it was pretty strong, and I couldn't even hold down my seven-meter. And I came in with big eyes and screaming for help, and two girls held me down. And then I went and rigged my five-meter and was really shocked at how much lift I had on the five-meter because usually um, for jumping it's not sufficient. But the wind was so strong that day. It It was an incredible sensation. Okay. To be okay. On a and, and feeling that much intensity locally. Yeah, I I would imagine. Uh, I just I just think it's it's a it's just such a cool thing to just be able to watch, you know, everybody out there. And it, you know, at I think at the peak time, uh, there have been times when I've been out there, and you, I mean, there's you could clearly see there's probably about fifty kites you know, flowing around and, and, you know, about, and as people are coming off, there's more people going in. I mean, so it just, it, it's like a, a steady flow of people coming off, going in. And, uh, I mean, it's really cool to watch, especially when I put my drone out there and was doing drone footage of, of a lot of that. And, uh, you know, remember, uh, Josh, he's the one that does the, uh, DJ and he's playing, always playing the music out there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I did a lot of footage on him with uh, the GoPro and with a, a, a drone. The, the hard thing about a drone is that unless you've got, I mean, that's like a, a serious production because it's, a, it's an expensive piece of equipment to um, have fall in the, in the water and lose. Uh, and it's also, it's really tough because I mean, you're going to a spot where it's like, everybody is like, this is what we're here to do. You know? So you, I think I, I, if I'm going to do it, I think I'm going to have to go like downwind. Um, that way I can have somebody on the, uh, I can be on the, um, I can be on the beach. Somebody can be, uh, out on the ski and the drone can be above them that way the kiter knows where the drone is at all times wherever that ski is going to be the drone's going to be right above it trying to do that in the midst of everybody they don't know what i'm doing you know what i mean it's too hard to communicate with everybody like hey this is what's going on i'm going to shut down the beach or or your your directional you know ride so i can do what i want to do so i i don't think that 
it's going to work out that way. <laughs> yeah, when people are doing videos, they're usually planning a quiet time yeah. of the day to set it up in some some place that is not that busy. Yeah, and it's it's actually for me it's cool because I do have the the ability to go downwind. Um, I took Josh down there actually. We uh, he wanted to to try one of those those hand fo- is that what that is uh, the hand. They call it the wing. Yeah, wing it's, foil. yeah, it's a wing foil. And so he wanted to try one of those, and uh, he wanted to get down there. And I was going to try to take him on my ski, but he he uh, rides a, a hydrofoil, right? That's what it's called. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dude, there's no way you're going to be able to carry that thing and me take you there. That's a lot of stuff. And your and your whatever. I'm like, nah. Let's. Uh, <laughs> how are we going to do this? And so I towed him. I towed him on his hydrofoil. The whole way, all the way down to where Nat usually does his deal. So wow, <laughs> it was it was pretty cool. Um, I was like, wow, that's. I wish I could be. Could we switch? <laughs> <laughs> all right, so um, let's uh, watch this video real quick. I'm going to share screen and. Uh... Okay, so this is going to be the part where I show her what she, you know, what I'd filmed her on the water. And then she was kind of running through, I was trying to going to have her run us through what she was doing uh, during the video, but that kind of got messed up. So if you want to see that video, go to my YouTube channel, the YouTube link that's in this uh, description, and you'll be able to go to 1804 or 1807 in that video. And that will show, um, that part right here. So I'm going to cut out that and just pick up from the other side of the conversation here. So, uh, that's all. So as you rewatch that, um, like what do you kind of walk me through that? Cause you did a couple of different things there. You did some, uh, some, uh, backside tail grabs. You did, uh, a couple, I don't know if that's what the technical term for it is. I'm thinking like, as a, if, as if I was watching a snowboarder, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did, I, I went toe side. I saw myself rotate to toe side where instead of having pressure on my heels, I rotate and put pressure on my toes. Um, you did see that tail grab, mm-hmm. um, but mostly that day that you were watching me, I was trying to get air and I was working on my form as I'm, I jumped to the right. So that's the side that I'm setting up to get air. And then when I was going port, which is left, you see my arms sticking out and I'm balancing myself because there's quite a bit of wind and I want to keep going upwind. So you see me stick my arm out for balance. And then sometimes in between, I'm just meditating. I'm just like, oh, I'm just really enjoying it. Um, Carving on, on the waves and the chop and stuff like that so many different things you can do with your board and, and just get into the zone of kiting. Um, and we mix things up depending on, we feel the wind. Like when you're going to jump, you're feeling that there's pressure in your kite and it's the right sensation of pressure to throw a jump. And then I'm looking for some chops. So I like to find a pocket that I can then ramp up into mm-hmm. and, and send the kite up and coordinate those efforts. Yeah. I mean, it really, it really is cool to watch. Um, I, I feel really fortunate. I mean, one to, to be in California, regardless of, you know, all the politics and everything else of California. But I mean, it is a beautiful place and the weather that we have here is amazing. Most of the time. 
Um, and there's so, <laughs> there's so many different like things that you can do water wise. You know, we have two rivers up in Sacramento. You got, you know, the one, the rivers that come from here and go up there. You've got the bay, you've got all of this stuff. And, uh, you know, what, so if, if a person is wanting to start out, right. Kind of, kind of like walk them through like what they would need, the costs that are associated with it, because it's not a cheap sport. Even when you go the used route, is not cheap by any means. Yeah, yeah. Oh gosh, uh, price wise, I'm a little bit uh, a long time from that. But your starter lesson, which is where you're going to learn how to fly a trainer kite, is usually I think they're about fifty dollars for an hour and a half, and um, so you basically get all the basics of wind direction, how it works, uh, practice on a trainer kite. Um, the instructor will go through and, and teach you all the basics, setup of the kite, how to pack it away, the wind window. And then you can purchase your kite anywhere from, I think, $199 for a small kite, maybe to close to $300. Uh, that is a very useful piece of equipment. I still have my trainer kite because it's something you can always go back to and, and practice kite loops and things and, and just have fun on it too. I, I've also used it with a skateboard mm -hmm. so you can kite skate. And um, I've done it with floaties with my daughter this summer too, <laughs> just goofing off. Yeah, yeah. Um, once you've mastered uh, learning how to fly the kite, uh, usually it's recommended to play with that for about 20 hours. Um, that's what I did. Um, I really do think it's important because being able to control the kite is super important. When you get on a full-size kite, they're powerful. They've got 80 feet lines, 20, anywhere from 20 to 24 meters in length. And these are meant to um, withstand 500 pounds of pressure. So they can cut through a human being. You just want to be really safe and secure with that and not put anybody at risk. So that's why spending a lot of time on your kite flying skills is the route to go. Next, you get your water lesson, and that can any, be anywhere from three hours to five hours. And you're going to start with body dragging and just managing your kite and feeling what that's like and dragging through the water. And you're going to learn to drag up wind because we fall off our boards. So we need to be able to go upwind to retrieve our board and get back on and kite. Um, again, it was recommended to me to the more hours I would spend body dragging and being proficient on that, the next phase of putting the board on my feet and being really proficient would be good. Everybody's different. You know, there's some guys who are like, I just need three hours of lessons. I'm going to get out there. Yes, you can get up on the board, but there's a lot of safety protocols to know. There's a lot of right of way uh, rules to know. There's a lot of etiquette. Every beach is different. So um, the more lessons you take with a professional instructor, the more opportunity you're going to have to encounter things that happen light wind your kite goes down how do you relaunch it super high wind what's the, what's an appropriate kite um any kind of kite mare can happen uh i took 16 16 professional lessons before i went out and i did it all over the bay because i wanted to be safe and i wanted to have all my mishaps with guided instruction and instructors are wearing uh, radio, radio walkie talkie so and we're wearing a helmet so we can talk to them and it's direct instruction and feedback um lessons can range um from about 125 dollars an hour 
if you travel, like I said, I went to Turks and Caicos and did some lesson packages down there. Um, those fees for um, a few days can be up to $1,000, but well worth it because this is your life you've got in your hands and you're also responsible for other people around you. Um, I'm an extreme sport uh, instructor myself. I come from the horseback riding world. So I taught fox hunting and I did eventing and I taught horseback riding lessons. And the more lessons you take, uh, the more guided instruction the faster your progression because you're not developing bad habits. Yeah. Um, if you, if you could, I've, um, lately this season because of COVID-19, unfortunately we've seen a lot of people showing up to the beach who saw a YouTube video and they've tried to self teach and it's had some really bad um, accidents and consequences. So from a safety perspective, that is not advisable. And even the product literature on the kites has a tag that says get some professional instruction and by purchasing this item you've agreed to be bound by the terms that you understand how to safely use the equipment so that's just something i want to put out there that's really important for anyone listening um and kite costs do vary i believe you get what you pay for um i fly a brand called core kites and the reason why i selected that is i had the opportunity to be to be on the um, kite border magazine test ride team for two years and I got to fly all the kites on the market and for the conditions that I kite in which is very gusty uh, 10 mile an hour spreads and my own personal style the kite was very user-friendly I knew I wasn't going to outgrow it I fly the XR and so that is just as good for a beginner as someone who's advanced and currently the XR6 is the um, leading big air jumping kite. The top five jumpers in the world are on those XRs. So I knew from a purchase point of view, it was a good investment that I wasn't gonna outgrow. I wasn't, I wasn't gonna buy a beginner kite, get bored, change my style, then have to get a new kite. So to me, the economics of it made a lot of sense. That being said, there's a lot of great kites and a lot of great boards, and it's just personal preference graphics, style of riding, wave kites, uh, free ride kites, there's wake style, and the kites are designed to do different things, and the boards um, have uh, different uh, aspects as well. Yeah, and and, uh, to your point about uh, the safety aspect of it, um, I, you know, I'm not sure if if Sherman is actually a, a good place for people to like if you were even i I wouldn't suggest trying that at all i mean you could possibly do a trainer kite like i would i got that suggested to me someone said well go get a trainer kite first you know i mean like the little the the small one that you'll see them out in that field just kind of messing around with like you were talking about that only has two lines not the uh Mm -hmm. not the four uh, that you could probably, but I mean, that's about the, the limit of what you can do by yourself. The rest is like, you, you can't just go out there and think you're going to do it. You can't watch a YouTube because you don't, you don't, you don't know how that, how that feels. And you need somebody who can, who can articulate to you as they're teaching you how that feels and the nuances of what it is you're actually doing. Right. 
Yeah, Sherman Island, uh, the launch is not a beginner kite spot. Once you're on the water, we have some great conditions, but getting out of the launch is pretty gnarly. Mm-hmm. Um, a friend of mine referred to it as a class four launch. Um, so you've got to know what you're doing, and there um, there's a flow of traffic that we have. Mm-hmm. That being said, you can take lessons and go up on a boat mm-hmm. up the river where it's safe and where you're out of the traffic and with where you're with an instructor who can help get you to the water. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's, you know, a nice big sandy beach is the more user-friendly spot for someone to learn. Yeah, yeah. And there there are plenty of those up up uh, upwind. Um, so, yeah. Well, you know what? I really appreciate uh, you taking the time and, and being able to make this happen. Um, I, I definitely liked, uh, you know, I liked everything about what what I have done. I've I've never tried to do this yet. You know, I've had Josh and it was you and you just I have way more footage of him and it was like, oh my god, it's going to take forever to edit all that stuff <laughs> down. Uh so I was like, all right, well, let's roll with this one first and see, you know, see how it works and see how uh you know, my audience uh takes to it uh cuz I think it was pretty cool putting it together and getting the footage. Um, I would like to be able to do that again with you at some point and maybe try, try, you know, getting a little bit closer, some different angles, you know what I mean? Maybe mm-hmm. da- downwind further, you know what I mean? Not when it's in where we were, cause it's really difficult because I know sometimes the kiters get irritated that I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if it's a busy time of yeah. the day, sure. Um, but there are certainly some better opportunities and locations uh, to get some good footage of some kite surfing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, next time you're you're down here and uh, you know the conditions are right, hit me up. I'm right down the street, and uh, it takes me but like twenty minutes to be on the water if I need to be. <laughs> sure, it sounds good. I'll probably be jumping higher and I'm learning more tricks, so that'll be really fun too. All right on. Do you wanna leave anything for anybody or just wanna like where they can find you or just informational? Uh thank you, have a good one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate you having me on this show and it was a bit brief and it's just wanna share with everyone it's a really fun, super stokey sport i'm available on facebook pretty easy to find i'm pretty well known because um i am an ambassador for the kite company that i i loved um i started painting my kites and that's how i got known and and was uh, approached and asked to be an ambassador so um i'm a pretty friendly face in the community and if you have any questions or help i'm always happy to answer them and do what i can or point you in a direction of some instruction or anything you may need to know yeah, absolutely. And uh, I I, th- I looked at my thing. I thought it said uh, 45, not 35. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, uh, it it's definitely something that's really cool. And if this is something that you watch and you're into, um, find somebody or find a place that's in your area that you can go down and ask questions. You know, watch people that are doing it because it's really it, it. Unless you do it that way, it's difficult to get in and and actually like find people who are willing to talk to you about it. Because there are some I have experienced some that were like absolutely no way they didn't want to have nothing to do with me. And 
as, as well, no, and I, and I get it because as the sport's growing, it's getting more crowded on these spaces that there's not very much room for. So there is that sort of thing. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, a little bit of protection of their local spot. <laughs> yeah, you know, they're, 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 but that goes with everything, you know. And I think the. I, I think the way that the price point of entry, because I did look into it, and the price point of entry is about even if you go used, you're looking, you're looking at about twenty five hundred to three grand, and there's not a lot yeah. of people out there that have an extra, you know, extra three grand to just, you know, well, to throw on a on a hunch that I may or may not like it. You know what I mean? That's a big that's a big decision for a lot of people. Yeah, most kiters say it's not something you try out. You've yeah, got to yeah. want to do it. You're committed already when mm-hmm. you've made that decision. Yeah, and and so it's like if you love the water, that would probably be something. Like if you're not a water person, but you just think it looks cool and you want to do it, it's probably not going to be something that you're going to like. But if you're like somebody who loves to be around the water like I do, uh, you know, next year, for sure, I'm learning how to do it. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rhonda. Well, thank you again. And uh, anytime you want to come on and uh, and talk about any of the other things that that uh, you and I both share, feel free to hit me up, and uh, we can make that happen. Sounds good. Have a good day. All right, you too. Bye. You've been listening to the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. Sean is a single dad, a union blue-collar guy, and he spent time in federal and state prison for drug trafficking and fraud. When he was released from prison in 2006, all he had was the clothes on his back, a bag of mail, and some paperwork. Since then, he's turned his life around and shares the struggles and successes on this podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we hope you were moved to connect to the show. Book a guest spot. For merch, Patreon, PayPal, and social media links, go to linktr.ee slash nowhere to go but up. On Instagram at nowhere to go but up now. On Twitter at but up now. On the YouTube channel at nowhere to go but up podcast. See you next time.